0: And welcome back to a fresh episode of Business Growth Show. I'm your host, Sam Dunning, co-owner over at webchoiceuk.com. And if you haven't done so yet, check out our weekly email where we share actionable website and B2B marketing tips, useful goodies, podcasts, resources, and more to kick off your week with a bang. You can give it a shot over at businessgrowth.email. Joining me today, I've got Mikkel Klein He's the head of demand over at Roblox. Mikkel, welcome to the show, sir. How are we doing?
1: I'm good. Thanks so much for having me.
0: No worries at all. So looking forward to chatting. We're going to be drilling down into a fresh topic today. We're going to be talking exactly how you can create a market for a brand new B2B category that's not mature, doesn't have existing demand or people aware of it or searching for it. Excited to to dive in. So before we get down into the weeds on this, Mikael, what does creating or building demand actually mean?
1: Well, I guess it's one of those, those new fancy terms. Uh, ultimately, for me, it's a way to generate revenue. That's that's really why we're here.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So build, building up building up cash, building up cash yep. in the bank. Yep, it's and it that... is kind of
1: a new new motion. Uh, mm. At the end of the day, right? And I think we we talked a bit about it in the you know the warm up uh, that we did. So there's been a lot of focus on lead gen. You're gonna hear Chris Walker, if you follow him on on LinkedIn, talk a lot about the pains uh, and and challenges with that. I think with creating demand, it's really just finally a frame to talk differently about how marketing can go and create revenue.
0: Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So building up demand, building up authority, mm. typically kind of building up when it's when it's used when we've talked about on the show before we're typically saying kind of building up awareness of your solution of the problem that you fix yeah um building up kind of brand affinity those kind of buzzwords so when the market isn't they might not need prospects might not need your service now but when they do you're kind of the brand that's top of mind but today we're going to be talking about actually building that when a category doesn't exist because usually when we're on this show we're we're talking to uh, be marketers but they're in categories that are known so right. they're in m- mature sectors businesses where people might be searching for on google ready people know there's a problem to fix but why the heck would you <laughs> want to try and build up demand for something people aren't aware even exists
1: well you don't have any competitors so you know there's that and it's also a big challenge which you know tends to motivate a lot of people and make it more fun uh but really it's I think it's because obviously the founders here, they saw a problem that was waiting for a solution and they, they kind of have it right. So uh, I think it's natural in that sense. And, you know, I, I think we've, when we've talked about it internally, it's not that we're building a faster car. We're, we're building a new means of transportation, right? So, so, I mean, if, if we get a bit, I guess, practical, what we're solving is how companies plan revenue effectively Mm -hmm. in a B2B SaaS business. And there obviously is a process for it today. You know, people don't just make up a number, so they do have a process they follow. But there's a lot of problems baked into that process, and that's where you, from a marketing perspective, can start playing quite a lot.
0: Mm. But to play devil's advocate here, as I like to do, creating a category, a, a brand new category, isn't that like hugely expensive, resource heavy? Because you've got to build up so much awareness when you could just jump into something that already has market demand and <laughs> chuck some cash in and you'd probably be okay, right?
1: Sure. I mean, there's always going to be a downside. Whether you go into a highly competitive market or needing to prove that there is a market for something, there's going to be challenges and they're going to be different. Uh, very few effectively succeed in creating a category, at least mm-hmm. the one they themselves label. So, So there's also that. But at the end of the day, you know, what we're seeing is just that there is a problem that can be solved that we believe we can solve and going after that and believing that we will be successful at the end of the day. Um, So, so, you know, it's, it's the challenge that's motivating uh, and effectively building up awareness to a very real problem that does exist at the end of the day.
0: Yeah. 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 And I want to go through, I want to lay down a bit of a step-by-step of what you've done so far, because I know you guys are doing it over at grow blocks and some of the, the steps that you take, but for anyone that's tuning in and thinking this is this is quite intriguing um <laughs> when should i want to look at it from two angles really i mean when when does it make sense because like you say a lot of yeah. businesses a lot of organizations that try to create a category either do so chuck a ton of money at it and fail or they just end up sliding into an existing sector um or position when shouldn't you go about creating a category In your
1: thoughts well, I don't think you can put a timer on it. Even if you start creating it, you don't know when that category will effectively form. And what's the goalpost? Is it that now there's a Gardner report labeled with your category name? I, I think that's going to be really hard to kind of say, this is when it's done, when the category is here. Mm. Ultimately, it's just a name for what we do uh, in our space. And I think if you're building something that's highly differentiated to the competition you're faced, if you are in a competitive market, well then it does make sense to create a label for it to make it clear that this is a different solution so so i think you know sooner rather than later uh, that's that that would be my two cents
0: okay and what are some of the outcomes that you should aim for when you are going about a process like this
1: well obviously that people know the category and they know you're you're in it, right? So it's it, this is back to the good old uh, immutable laws of marketing uh, by Al Reese, right? You need to find a category you can be first in. And if you are that, then you will be perceived as, as the leader, right? And if that's the case, then you're going to have an easier time closing those potential deals you get through. But this is very much at the end of having created a category that things will get a bit easier for you. And you can look at someone like Salesforce. They're still growing, what, 30% year over year still perceived as the leader, right, in, in CRM and, and growing ever so fast. So I, I think there can be a lot of benefits in establishing a category. It it basically means you start owning a peace of mind uh, with someone.
0: Mm. I suppose it's one of those things, really. It's like you're either all in or mm. not. Like you, I don't think yeah. you can go half-heartedly with this, can
1: you? No, someone is going to at least place you in a category, And what is that going to do for you? What's that going to be like if you're a sales rep and someone says, well, you're uh, an email marketing software. And you're like, no, actually, that's not entirely what we do, right? You you do need a frame for how you have that conversation and present yourself. And if you don't choose, your category is going to be chosen for you.
0: Mm. That's a great point. All right. Well, we've framed this up pretty nicely. I want to get stuck into, because I'm quite keen to know what you're doing over there and How are our listeners, (laughs) how everyone tuning in, if if they're considering perhaps they run a business or maybe they've got a side hustle and they're thinking, quite like the sound of starting my own category. How do I go about doing that?
1: A lot of hard work.
0: (laughs) Yeah, definitely, I'm sure. What are some of the first considerations before we get into the practicalities? Like, I guess things like the mindset, what do you need to research and prep before you start doing the actual groundwork?
1: Yeah, a bunch of things, actually. So when you are a startup, you know very little things, right? So I have uh, experience with later stage companies, so series A, B, C, so on. And usually in that case, you have a lot of structures in place that you take for granted. You know who you are going for, who who is your target audience, what does an ideal customer look like, what markets are important to you, what are the pain points and how do you how do you present those pain points and make them real? How do you offer up a solution and proof points for that? You know, there there are a lot of those elements you will take for granted and and have an, mm. quite frankly an easier time if we're being honest. So yep. those those elements are very critical. Initially, we stumble a bit around thinking, "Hey, are should we go for the finance team? Should we go for the CEO?" And it became a maybe we should go for everyone. And the problem with that is then you start watering down the message because they have very different challenges and priorities. So you need to pick one at least initially and then go Mm. and i think that's that that was one of the most important decisions we made because it meant that all the conversations all the content we created all the marketing material all the messaging got so much clearer for us uh in going and creating all that you know that stuff we're going to get into basically so i think you do need some of those elements in place as you know as you want to go and build your category
0: yeah, it's a good point. I mean, we've talked about this before, kind of picking out an ideal client profile and nailing down who you actually want to target with your marketing. Yeah. So you're not doing a you know, shotgun approach. Yeah. You're not spraying and praying. You're not putting thousands of dollars into campaigns yeah. trying to attract everyone. And in, in the end result, you're attracting nobody. But often when businesses do that in sectors that already mature, that have existing demand, they've got so much data to choose from, right? Like mm. they can if they've already sold some stuff, they can look at their most prop- profitable clients, the clients they enjoy yeah. working with, the clients that grow the business year on year, um, and look at all those demographics and profiles, or they can steal that intel from their competitors and so on. Mm. But if you're starting fresh, like what are some of the the ways like how did you go about it? How did you think, oh this this target market looks good, let's go for it.
1: So I think they had already the company had already already existed for about six months, so they've stumbled. Right. You know, around that journey, without mm. me, thankfully. Um, so they've already talked with a bunch of potential customers. What they okay. were obsessing over is really they know they knew the problem and they knew the solution, mm. and then it's figuring out well who is it most applicable for at the end okay. of the day. And and you know, and in effect, eventually they were able to bring some of those customers on board, which was great, and then start learning from them. And you know, you're gonna try. You're going to try different things out. So they tried pitching the finance team, tried pitching CEOs, and so on. And then you start learning, hey, where, where is is the sweet spot really for us? Uh, it's it's a bit intangible. It's not like, to your point, you have lots of data you can refer back to, and then oh, okay, here here's the result. Here's exactly what we should do.
0: Yeah, yeah. So kind of figuring out product market fit, like look, yeah. working, yes, working out, speaking to That's a bunch exactly. of prospects and seeing what. What stuck the most, I guess.
1: Yeah, that's exactly it.
0: Chili Piper's automated scheduling tools are super effective for booking and scheduling demos. I could chat about them all day long, but why not listen as a new customer witnesses the magic of Chili Piper for the very first time?
1: Okay. You're just about to switch gears. I'm ready for it now. Hold on. Oh, we, we got one. We got one? We got one. Oh my God. Ah, yes.
0: All right, via ownership to-
1: One of our A's pinged me and goes, guess what just worked? Exactly how it should have happened. This is exactly how it should have happened. I could have done it. With... Oh my God, you are incredible.
0: So there it is. Proof of the power of Chili Piper. Book your free demo today over at chilipiper.com slash bgs. That's chilipipe com slash bgs. chilipiper.com forward slash bgs. Chili Are you tired of the competition, stealing your potential clients and website traffic just because they rank higher than you on Google for the main services or products you offer? Or maybe you're already investing in SEO or marketing, but your website's failing to convert your hard-earned visitors into a steady flow of qualified sales leads or perhaps you already work with a web or seo agency but they're just not getting you the results they promised let's fix that get in touch with us over at webchoiceuk.com that's webchoiceuk.com mention the podcast and set up a call with sam to see if we can help you with the results today And once that was in play, what what's like the next step?
1: Yeah, so for for us, it was really we have there's two ways you can usually go about it. So if you envision the classic marketing funnel, where you have awareness in the top and then you know customers towards the bottom, the funnel gets smaller and smaller the further down you go. And I found what many want to get to very very fast is the bottom, right? We all want that revenue, and we want it really really fast but then you're skipping over a bunch of steps in that funnel that you need to be accounting for right and what i've just experienced over the last 5 10 years is the most revenue and the best customers you know where they come from they come from your brand they come from already knowing you and you have no idea it might be that they saw an ad in the end and then clicked it but there's this whole journey that lasted you know, one maybe two years before they up and decided, okay, we're gonna buy this thing now. It was a you know a, this this water dripping until they kind of decide, okay, now it's the point in time where we we are sold. We've listened to it for so long, we believe it. Uh, now we're gonna buy it. So we had that the choice of saying, well, should we start building up advertising as a way to educate the market on this problem and the fact that we have a solution, or should we go higher up? And I think it's Good. going to be very contextual to the business you're in, where pre-product is being built at the moment together with our customers. Where we wanted to end up is when we go and launch, we have an audience that knows us, that likes us, and trusts us. That's going to be very powerful when we bring the product to market and wanna, instead of having product market fit, wanna have go to market fit. So being able to scale uh, effectively our whole setup. So so that was a very conscious decision um, that we made and that. Very much changes the tactics so we're not really investing in in paid advertising we're going way more into organic thought leadership content creation as a means to reach our audience and build it up okay so that was that was really the step we took
0: got it so we're talking pre-product building up an audience that knows likes and trusts our brand Mm. um to get a bit deeper what I mean feel free to use your own brand as an example. What does that actually look like like if I was a B2B company that's mm. just started out and worked out the clients I want to tap into but now want to build up some kind of audience like what should I be doing? Do I post on LinkedIn? Do I start a podcast? Yeah. Do I start a yeah. newsletter or is it other things?
1: So yeah, I think let's let's get a bit practical here uh, in in that sense. So what I discuss with our CEO is imagine you're going down the grocery store, the aisle, looking for juice. You're going to have 30 choices on the shelf. We need to convince them to pick one. And obviously, we talked about the fact that we're solving a new problem. But just for, for the uh, for the inspiration here, we need to stand out. And how do we do that? Mm. If we do the same as everyone else, it doesn't really help us. So don't get me wrong. Just because we have a new solution, there are other vendors going for the same audience as us. Right, so we're still competing in some sense with the content around thought leadership. So whatever we do, we have to do it differently. And what I then did is I had a clear idea that we were gonna place, I think three three bets. LinkedIn was already going, so that was a bet we should continue. We were gonna do a, uh, a podcast, and then we we're gonna build an email list. The thing is, with the email list as an example, any business is gonna have an email list. Any business is gonna have a newsletter. So how should ours be different? That was really the obsession. And what I did Mm. is I looked at, okay, we don't have direct competitors, but what about indirect competitors or secondary competitors? What are they doing? And I signed up for all their newsletters, listened to all their podcasts. And what I found is they were doing the exact same thing. They were using the classic marketing playbook. So they had a blog, which is great. They're doing webinars. And then they send out this bi-weekly branded email where all they do, they're do, they doing is adding in the blog post and then, you know, a shotgun towards the entire audience. And that was the recipe every single one followed. And then we said, well, if we're going to do this differently, then it's probably not going to come out from our brand. It should come out from our CEO. And it shouldn't be called a newsletter. So the working folder we have is literally, it's not a newsletter, just to keep us, you know, remembering the fact that it's not a newsletter. And then it's not going to be a branded email template because everyone else is using a branded. So we're just going to use a plain text as this, as if our CEO sent the email himself. And guess who writes the email? It's the CEO. Yeah. He, he he. I mean, we help him to be fair, but it is him. It is definitely his words. And who is it sent from? From his email his actual email. And sure, someone might abuse it at some point and send him a bunch of email pitches. That's fine. We can can live with that fact. But what we really want out of it is we want people to reply to the email so they can have a conversation. And that means we don't have a marketing. It's not me from marketing, then sitting whenever I have time going in and then replying to the emails. It's actually access to his inbox as well that you're getting. And instead of measuring performance in relation to, hey, do we get leads out of it? Because keep in mind, we're building the audience. We measure how many replies do we get? Do we actually start some conversations here? Did we actually hit a good point with the email we just sent out? And when I've talked with other people about this email list and told them it's not a newsletter, they go, yeah, it's, this is not a newsletter. I agree. <laughs> I agree. And so I think it's really about being very focused on you have all these channels and tactics at your disposal and anyone will tell you, you should do them, but it is your job in marketing to figure out how do you bring it to market differently at the end of the day? I think that's, Mm. that's, you know, so that was one of the, the, uh, I I guess that's the approach we're taking to really look at doing things differently. We, I, I firmly believe that the marketing playbook I grew up with, uh, you know, over the last 10 years is done. It's, it's, you know, served its purpose now things are changing and it's time for anyone in marketing to follow along with that change
0: good stuff all right so we're talking about differentiation mm. and like you've only got a look at a few b2b tech a few b2b SaaS website home pages and all the headlines are very similar yeah um, in fact a lot of them use too much jargon that probably their ideal clients don't even understand yeah. and then Apart from that, you've got award winning, best in class, world class this, we just won a G2 award, we just got funding, and it's like, yeah. I've already fallen asleep because you're just the same as every other competitor in your space, yep. but you are talking about doing the polar opposite of, yep. of what your competition's doing, which that's it. makes sense if you want to stand out in kind of see of the sameness. So yeah, good point. So that's how you did it with your email list, and then you mentioned you kind of placed bets on... Three channels, I think you said podcast, yeah. email, and LinkedIn.
1: Yeah. So, uh, so maybe if we continue. How did we? How do we even grow that list? Because mm. the classic approach is then you have a webinar or an ebook or something that you drive a lot of traffic to. Sometimes even paid. Uh, what we had going for us was LinkedIn. So Tony, he was very active, and we actually, you know, amped the volume up that to be a daily thing for him Um, is obviously very much also his achievement to be honest it's it's again a lot of his insights and stories being shared but he was starting to get more and more traction effectively from from this effort uh, and also from talking with a lot of people in the industry and the challenges they had he could tell that story uh, and and give his his insight on LinkedIn right so he was getting more and more exposure and with this email list we basically just started dropping it into the first comment and, and people would open and sign up because they liked the post. They wanted to hear more. And because it was not just a newsletter, it's, Hey, I have this email I send every second week where I go into more details around some of these things. Then all of a sudden the context was just really perfect. So that's, that's helped us actually grow that list quite fast. And the, I would just say the stats we're seeing in terms of open rates, uh, even how many read the email is beyond anything I've seen before. Uh, so that's, that's kind of how we've grown the list um, for, for, for this email, basically.
0: Mm. And growing an email list is hard, right? Yeah, like, it's, it's, it's really I, hard. I think we've been doing for a real example too. I think we've been doing this shows one probably for about a year or so. haven't pushed any paid towards it at all. Just do like mm. one plug on the show. And then yeah. like you say, occasionally you plug it on the LinkedIn comments. And I think we're approaching 800 subs, something like that. So it's a very kind of slow and steady growth that we've seen with yeah, limit, limited pushing, no like ads. Or so where do like you that. sign up?
1: Now you can plug it. <laughs> Businessgrowth.email. <laughs> but
0: yeah, we plug it at the start of the show. So okay. every, all, all, all is good. Um, but yeah, that's, that's interesting. I mean, there's a few points to dig into there. I mean, like you say, you, you chose specifically your CEO to do it. It yeah. sounds like he's... He's got the expertise there. He's got a story to yeah. tell. Yeah. He's he's not hiding behind like the brand or the company. like yeah. It sounds like a lot of the competitors would do so. People were reading his posts on LinkedIn, trusting he had the expertise and then thinking, I want to get a bit more of this and diving in to sign up.
1: Yeah, we'll say the subject matter expertise is absolutely key. You you really need that if you want to go and create an impact with the audience. Um, the The risk you face is you're you're going to do desk research and what are you going to land on? You're going to land on a blog post. You're going to read it and they're going to give you, okay, these are the three ways to solve the problem. You're going to read the next one and they have the same three and it's going to repeat over and over. So you're going to be stuck with the same takeaways as everyone else. And the fact that we have a, a CEO who really knows the space, knows the, the job our audience is performing. Well, that means we can have a very unique point of view. As, as a business and share some very sometimes non-obvious solutions for the audience. And that's incredibly powerful. So you definitely want to have access to a subject matter expert. Uh, if you're going to go and, and be successful at some of this stuff, otherwise you need to do a lot of research beyond just what you can read. You actually need to go and talk with people.
0: Sure thing. And I'm sure a lot of people are think, thinking, this is great, but how house- how scalable? I'm saying this with inverted commas for anyone listening. How scalable yeah. is this
1: to use the CEO?
0: Not just to use the CEO. I'm thinking, or in my mind, maybe to use the CEO as as the company gets bigger and think he gets busier and mm-hmm. has other tasks to manage. But that's yeah. that to one side, I guess. But in terms of actually growing the audience, yeah. Um, in terms of LinkedIn, yep, still great organic reach. Yeah, but we're not going to get
1: a, a second CEO to post on LinkedIn, right? That's, that's, <laughs> that's the point. And I think that's, that's okay. I think it's more about enabling him and then tapping into new channels at the end of the day. So we, we haven't really talked about, for example, the podcast, right? But if you look at the newsletter or the email list, I should say, sorry, um, <laughs> we're, transferring, we're trans- transferring his audience from LinkedIn to an email list. And then we introduce the podcast and it's the same effect that's happening there. Now we're transferring from LinkedIn and from the email list to the podcast, right? So you can kind of shuffle it around and that gives you a bit more scale. And all of those channels are going to be very different. If someone reading a text post on LinkedIn is not going to be as engaged as someone who is a regular listener of a podcast show, it's just very different. The commitment is way higher uh, in, in that sense. And what you achieve is also way higher. So you need to also kind of have have that reflection but for us it's about how do we shift some of the content and the audience to the different channels that we have at our disposal that we're slowly building up and then making them work together so with the podcast we started out very simple with one mic it was just an internal podcast and we weren't really sure what we were going to talk about other than trying to share information and news something the team could use and then we played with it for probably three weeks or so. And then we said, hey, maybe we start testing this out as an external. And we did the first couple of episodes. I don't want to listen to them because I'm pretty sure they're not going to be, <laughs> I'm not going to be happy, happy with them. You know, the first pancake always breaks. Um, so, so then we introduced the second mic. We got even better with the show. We got into rhythm of how should we prepare for the show How should we Mm. do the research? The content got better and better and better. And then we said, well, why don't we add a camera now? So while we're recording audio, just like we are now, there's then also the video proponent. And we use that to create content as well for LinkedIn, also for YouTube. So again, we can move a lot of these things around different channels. And that's where the scale starts appearing. He is, RCO is a limited resource in that sense. And that's where at some point we're going to introduce a new character to this mix to give us that scale. Got it.
0: Yeah. 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 So we're talking about creating content that's interchangeable. Yeah. So whether that is using LinkedIn to then push the email list in the comments, whether that's then utilizing the podcast as part of the email list or then the video element of the podcast into snippets yeah. and putting that out on LinkedIn, and then maybe link back to the to the newsletter and, and back and forth and so on. So it's kind of like a creating a, a content machine,
1: and it's and it's absolutely key because if you go back to kind of why why you and I are, are talking, when it is a new market you're creating, you do need to educate on the problem, and we are giving the solutions away. Sure, we are building a software solution for it, but we are giving the process and everything away but you do need to make make the market aware that there's a different way to solve this problem to avoid the pains they're facing. Mm. And that's why why it's so important also to have those different let's say mediums you can use because you can in when you're talking with someone you can relay a story very differently than in writing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, let's let's go into that a bit more. So ultimately it's probably harder for a for a new if you're a company creating a new category, because I guess problems people can resonate with. um, But knowing there's actually a solution that fixes those is a whole other thing. Mm, Um, Yeah. So how do we go about the two? I, I I guess like making people aware of these problems and then also making people aware there's a solution to fix them.
1: Yeah. So I think there's a bunch of experts out there that you should listen to. There's, uh, you know, the, a couple of books on category creation. I actually can't remember what they call theirs. I think category pirates have one book uh, on on this subject and there's a lot of frameworks you can follow in order to go and create uh, basically a category. I'm totally losing, by the way, trail here for a second. <laughs> no, no
0: worries. I was just saying we were talking about kind of how do you share the problems with your target market that you fix? And yeah, And how do you also make that target market aware because they're not aware right that now that a, there is yeah, a solution yeah, yeah. that's going to fix these points yeah. and it's actually trustworthy.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's also, I think, future problems for us, right? But but if you look at our approach right now, LinkedIn text posts where we will get a lot of impressions, that's where we start talking about some of the issues. We might have part of a solution there, but you don't have you won't have the entire recipe because it just doesn't fit the format. You're gonna need almost an ebook or something for it. Then the next proponent is, well, the newsletter we can, or the email, we can write a bit more. We can effectively go a bit more into detail, also follow up with the questions that then are. And in the podcast, we can go even deeper and very specific to, hey, this is how you can build a model for your revenue. This is how you go about annual planning for revenue and so on, right? So that's where we get more into details around some of the solution. And they, they will start realizing, okay, there is a different way of doing it. And then at some point when you introduce the solution to the mix, you are going to proof point. You are going to be able to say, "Hey, we have these customers. He- hear what they say, and listen to them. Don't listen to us." Kind of the classic saying, right? That's that's a that proof is a big proponent of it. Uh, you also have uh, if you Google for the greatest sales deck ever. I don't know if you you know this uh, this one. I can't remember his name right now. It's actually a bit annoying, but he Andy Raskin is the guy. He basically has a a model for uh, how to create your strategic narrative. And that's effectively how you go and pitch to the market. And I think there is something like five steps to it. There's a change happening in the market. So when Drift, uh, the chat company, created a category, they said, well, what's changing is we have a mobile phone, we have Netflix, everything is now. We want an answer now. And then they spent a lot of time unpacking what problems that change created, also for you as a brand. And then they tease the promised land, basing imagine a world where you know a customer could get an answer right now for the challenges they have. And then, well, the good news is you can. And they had, you know, all these features as magic pills that would solve the the problem, right? So there's a structure you can use. That format works really great if you're guest appearing on a podcast or if you're presenting at a keynote and so on. Right. Again, it's back to the the medium you use. And I think that's where you need to be clever on what channels are at your disposal and how do you tell the stories story in different places at the end of the day.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Some, some great frameworks there and we can certainly ref- reference to those in the, the podcast episode notes. Cause like you said, there's, there's a lot to unpack mm-hmm. when it comes to putting together these frameworks. Yeah good stuff so with that in mind so your your product your offering is still being constructed and you're on the stage where you're building an audience Mm -hmm. is that something that any organization any company that wants to create a new category needs to do first and foremost
1: so i don't believe there are any rules at the end of the day it's more a matter of what is right for your business and it's going to be very different uh, in, in this case, it could even depend on funding. Do you have the means to actually go and do it? Um, if, if you do, great, then you definitely can. Are you able to do it yourself without having to hire? Then great, then do that. So I think it's, it's highly contextual. Is it valuable for us? Definitely. It's definitely valuable for us in the sense that people are getting more and more interested. It's you know If we have an open position, people are more interested in joining the team also because there's a lot of momentum kind of being built around the business. And then there's all the the serendipity that comes with it. So I'm not sure if if you've experienced it, but sometimes Tony will go to a conference and some people already know him. They've never met because he's been posting on LinkedIn or they've been listening to the podcast. It also means he gets invited to a show or to speak at a conference. And those are the things some companies usually would pay a lot of money Mm. for just to shortcut it. And and I think that's the the other side of the coin that's highly impactful. And I think if you if you want to go about it from the top of the funnel first and really have those channel work for you in one, two years, then forget about the category just for a second. Just the fact alone that you're building up that awareness is going to bring in revenue. Do you want to do that? Or do you need to focus on the product first and then solve some immediate demand? Then I think that's that will be very much a know a thought process you need to have internally
0: yeah it's a fair point i mean if you're a company that needs cash needs customers quick yeah then it's probably not going to be one for you because you literally need people buying your stuff pretty swiftly um, yeah and,
1: and and again it's such a tricky thing right it's like the it's the chicken and the egg because is there a demand you can go on and tab into there's this i don't know if anyone has fact checked it but but there's a classic saying that only one to 2% are in market at any given point in time to buy us solution I swear
0: that percentage varies with every guest I get in this podcast. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I say maybe we should fact check yeah, it at yeah. some point, but, yeah, but if that is the case, you know, is there enough demand for you to even go and capture or do you yeah. need to actually go and create it? Then, then it's going to be very different. Right. And I think if you, if you're like us, if you're not just building a faster car, a new means of transportation, then you might want to think about investing here because you end up opening basically a shop at a corner where no one passes by and no one's ever heard of your shop. So how can you expect customers to come in? You know, that's
0: I think you should make a podcast, video, or LinkedIn series just on analogies, Michael, because you've, you've used some awesome analogies that I've never heard. <laughs> there was that one, there was a shop one, there was a pancake one, and there was something else. that yeah. I've, I've really enjoyed, uh, and appreciated.
1: Probably it's the c- classic cultural thing. You know, we we talk about it. So we have a lot of nationalities in the office, and you always have, you know, one specific analogy based on where you're coming from, and everyone else goes, "Huh."
0: <laughs> I love those. Love marketing analogies. Good fun. So. <laughs> Yeah, what what you said is fair. I mean, it it depends where your company's at, right? If you need customers quick, then it might not be the route for you or you might need to look at ways that you can capture some existing demand if there is some, Mm. i.e. paid search, review sites, organic search, LinkedIn ads, whatever it may be, wherever your audience is. Um, Now, a lot of the recommendations you've given, email list or not an email list, whatever we call it, um, (laughs) podcast (laughs) (laughs) and what was the third point the third point was i think yeah linkedin LinkedIn. it's a podcast team or linkedin in your case organic are we doing any paid distribution or are we going purely for organic reach
1: incredibly little we've played just to try it out with a linkedin ad for a meetup but that's about it very limited spends i wouldn't even say we've gotten serious about it um it also takes up time usually to build out Uh, as a business for it to be successful and scalable so we haven't Mm -hmm. done it we've we've done zero paid um as a business it's purely been organic channels and don't get me wrong they're not free right there's equipment there's man hours there's a bunch of things that goes into it so it still carries a cost uh at the end of the day as a business but that's that's the route we've taken gotcha
0: do you think you will scale up and go paid at some stage, a bit heavier oh, yeah. when the product comes
1: out? For sure, at some point we will. Uh, that's that's all part of, of the funnel, and I think we're going about it from the top of the funnel at this stage, uh, really building our audience. And it's mm. very certain at some point, well, then it makes complete sense to add some amplification to some of the elements we're doing. But But it also, for us, it's been about taking one step at a time so like I said, with a podcast, let's let's first try and see, can we have a conversation and record it? Do we, are we good enough at that? And then <laughs> once you've validated, yes, we can actually, we can talk, then what should we talk about, right? There are steps to the process. Even you, when you add video, it's another proponent of complexity. When we start adding paid, it's another step to the process where you need to be able to test out, fail, uh, fail again until you finally succeed. So I think mm. that's that's just, you know, the approach we've taken uh with with basically the channels we're building up.
0: Yeah. I feel like we could have called this episode how to create a market for a new B2B category slash how to create an audience for a new B2B category, because yeah. yeah it's yeah. it's taken an interesting turn. And I think that's like you say, really worth our points.
1: But I think it's also required if you want to go and create a category at the end of the day, right? You do need an audience that understand and acknowledges the problem at the end of the day because otherwise we could just create a problem in a va- you know a category in a vacuum where no one really knows about it and they're gonna go oh okay never heard of that category that's cool bye <laughs> <laughs> and so, so you need you do need an audience uh, that buys into it at the end of the day
0: yeah 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 and i like that you mentioned a bit earlier about some of the hidden benefits of creating an audience because <laughs> like you say Things like getting invited to speak at events, getting invited onto podcasts, series, yeah. guest articles, whatever it might be. Because you're exactly right. Like Your CEO, your team's had it. We get that. Now we've been around a little while with the show. It's uh, a nice added perk, I suppose. And it just builds on that brand, that credibility. Uh, makes yeah, and more It's a shame. Aware.
1: It is a shame these initiatives will, will often die, especially in an established business, where the conversation is, I think we should start a podcast. It's like, okay, so how much revenue are we going to get out of it i don't know okay when are we going to get any revenue out of, out of it maybe a year like and then already there it's ad. and i think mm. that's that's back to what i said to you the the frustration with a lot of the founders i've talked with very focused on the the small bottom you know triangle of the the funnel let's just go and build paid there's all these other channels you do need to think about that are hard hard to measure but they do also provide a lot of upside for you
0: bang on the money sir and with that Mikel, thank you very much for coming on very much enjoyed the conversation some really actionable golden nuggets there on all things creating a new category building demand and more and with that please do tell us more about how everyone tuning in can connect with you learn more well, and any way you want to send them
1: Well, first off, thank you for having me. Uh, If you want to learn more about what we do here at GrowBlocks, you can check us out at growblocks.com. You can also find our podcast, The Revenue Formula, on Spotify, Apple, wherever you're listening. And uh, otherwise, hit me up on LinkedIn. Uh, Or if you're curious about, we talked a bit about uh, our CEO here, you can look up Tony Holbein as well.
0: Nice one, sir. Thanks very much. Enjoyed the chat. Thank you. No worries. We'll put all of those links over in the show notes at businessgrowth.marketing. And as always, if you found today's episode interesting, entertaining, why not give us a quick review on your podcast channel of choice, or if you're on YouTube, a quick subscribe goes a long way. And with that, we'll catch you on the next one for more actionable, no BS B2B marketing tips to grow your business and grow your revenue. I appreciate you tuning in.